Thank you for calling Gay Wire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Hello and thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. I'm your hot and humble host, Terrence Adams, and my pronouns are they, them, and also they, he. Interesting. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskwichiwiskigan on Treaty 6 territory and Region 4 of the Métis Nation of Alberta, and though we are still in the midst of it in terms of MAID and the series talking to Q Lawrence on disability justice, I have to pause that to share some information about some very timely events. Um, I do not want to undercut the importance of the topic of MAID, and so the remainder of the interview with Q Lawrence will be featured first on the podcast feed starting today, and then once we talk about all of the lovely events and art in so-called Edmonton this Pride Month, we'll be back to Q on the radio. So be sure to stay tuned and check out the remainder of the Disability Justice series on the podcast feed which is, of course, on your favorite podcasting platform, easily findable by searching Gaywire CJSR. The CJSR is important. Do not neglect it, please. And please do check out the ongoing fundraiser for a new wheelchair for Q. The fundraiser still has a bit more to go, so check out Gaywire's Instagram and hit that link in bio. Donate if you can, and or share the link with anyone you can. Now, this episode marks the first episode of Pride Month, so I have a few things to tell you about events that are happening this month. We will be talking to some of the organizers later on to find out more details. But here's the information anyways, because it's good to have to plan ahead. In St. Albert, there will be a Pride celebration in Rotary Park on June 18th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., hosted by Outloud St. Albert. Next week, we'll be hearing from them for more information, but until then, check out their website, outloudstalbert.ca. June 11th, Rare Canal is hosting a Stonewall fashion show and gala, and then on June 25th, Rarica Now is holding the annual Stonewall March and Rally, an event which seeks to preserve Pride as a protest, which is how Pride began. Go to at Rarica Now, spelled R-A-R-I-C-A, now, on social media, for more information. And then also on June 25th is Pride Fest in Churchill Square. The event will feature a beer garden, a live performance stage, and on that stage there will be drag performers, musical artists, and a great time. Go to edmontonpridefest.com for more information about that event. And it's not exactly constrained to June, but as Pride Corner is now official, which is very exciting, you might want to go and visit it. It's the corner of White Ave and 104th Street, and just follow the music, you'll find it. And now, without further ado, because they do have a lot to say, this is Evan Gilchrist and Sarah J. Culkin 
uh, talking about Reconstruct, or Reconstruct, a play lovingly made for and by trans and queer folks. Evan is the playwright and Sarah is directing it, and then Sarah will stick around after to tell us about the 13th annual sultry, sensuous, and ever-sexy 18-plus smut night. To see Reconstruct, head on over to the Riser page on the Common Grounds Art Society website. You can search up Evan's name, Evan Gilchrist, Evan spelled E-V-E-N, and you can get your tickets there. It is pay what you will, and for Smut Night, it is a be there or be square kind of deal, so be sure to be on location at the New Roxy on 124th on June 10th, and doors open at 9.30pm. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, 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 okay. I told you I'd stop blathering. So here's myself, Terrence Adams, speaking with Evan Gilchrist and Sarah J. Culkin. Uh, My name is Evan Gilchrist, and my pronouns are he, him. My name is Sarah J. Culkin, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm here to talk about uh, Reconstruct. Um, It's a show that I've uh, written and am producing as part of Riser Edmonton. Um, It's a a great show. Uh, It's about a a trans man and his his idealized cis self that walk into the same room um, and then basically investigate uh, the idea of the perfect body and how we craft uh, masculinity and identity. Um, that's That's the short and sweet of it. I'm, I'm here to, to back Evan up talking about uh, Reconstruct because I'm, I'm directing that project. Um, and then my, my, bonus, my bonus content is to mention Smut Night if, uh, if we're open to talking about that one as well, because it's not, um, I'll tell you what it is before I tell you what it is. It's Smut Night is part of NextFest, which is Edmonton's sort of premier longest running emerging arts festival of all disciplines. And Smut Night is going into its 13th year, which is wild. It's an annual cabaret nightclub event that is part of NextFest and it focuses on art of a bunch of different disciplines that's sort of like smutty, sexy, slutty, sweaty. Um, and this year in particular, the theme is Hellbent for Leathers. So we've got a lot of people sort of exploring like um, subversion and resilience and determination and what it means to, to flip the script on, on, uh, on sexy stuff. Sorry, it's a little early for me still. I got to get kick my brain into gear, but flipping the script, I think is a pretty, is a pretty useful tagline for Smut this year. Okay. So I guess let's start with reconstruct. So, um, you said a little bit what the play is about, um, but I'm very interested in these conversations of masculinity between a trans and a cisgendered version of yourself. Yeah, um, basically the conceit of the show really uh, arose when, uh, when back when I originally wrote this back in 2018 for the Ottawa Fringe Festival. And basically at that time, uh, it was, uh, I was writing from a place that I knew about how I was investigating masculinity and specifically my, my transness. Um, and also like that was coming at the very end of a long, long time of being, uh, I'm doing air quotes stealth, uh, like with my transness and like not being out and open about who I was, like who I was. Um, and so basically 
the idea was just that I was constantly editing my my own self history and my own story to fit a trans uh, fit more of a cis perspective. So uh, as we do <laughs> clip and edit all of our our history to just kind of fit the mold that I I want people to perceive me as and. Um, yeah, so that that was basically like how the conceit of that rose and then basically on top of that just understanding that like regardless of whether or not you're cis or trans actually you do investigate and interrogate gender in all the different sorts of ways um and is gender is just not for the queers like so uh, the the idea that like there is there's not necessarily something more uh authoritative standing that a cis person is going to tell you what masculinity is to a trans person but just the idea that there is something to um broker in between those conversations that like actually we are investigating very similar landscapes together um so that that is that <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um that it originated for the 2018 fringe festival in ottawa so how did you decide that it was time to sort of explore this story and then how has it um sort of evolved to its current presentation for this That is year. a key question, I think. <laughs> um, I, so I, I never, like once the show was done in 2018, like it, it meant a lot to me, but I never thought about it again until I started like, cause I came, I moved to Edmonton for school. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, um, as our favorite turn of phrase, uh, I, I was really starting to investigate like why I was feeling this like sense of uh, dissatisfaction with like theater, which is like my, my practice and my life basically. Um, and, and it really, of course, always comes back down to like, what am I actually watching on stage? What am I seeing represented on stage? And like, there's so many glorious, wonderful things that I can see, but I, but I do actually crave and, 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 and long for something that is a representative of just a little bit of my experience. Um, and, uh, and then I came back to this particular show, Reconstruct or Reconstruct, uh, and being uh and, and asking myself like actually like where i was investigating this before is not how i feel about myself now and it is certainly like i feel way more complicated about my identity than i did even then which felt very complicated um so i i wrote a grant to the edmonton arts council um just to have some uh funds to like let me explore this on my own and then that is where actually i asked uh, Sarah to join me in that process as my dramaturg, someone who can like look at this with fresh eyes and ask me very, very important questions like, <laughs> what does this mean? <laughs> um, and uh, she's just been leading this whole, like helping me like weave in the whole process of like my experiences then and my experiences now and actually trying to uh, point the gaze <laughs> The, the eyeball gaze towards uh, all these pertinent questions that kept like coming in between us and like why, why I should investigate those more. Um, and so basically from that, I was just like, hell, hell yeah, uh, we have a great script on our hands and I'm going to pitch it to Riser, um, which is like a producing model that helps like newer work get on its feet and like uh, give it resources so that artists can be artists and not be thinking about 4 million uh, production things. Um, and then uh, got selected as part of that and uh, being able to produce it at, with fresh eyes and fresh faces and not me on the stage having to be every single thing all at once uh, was great. Yeah, so um, did you write this play for any 
for anyone in particular, a past self, um, a future self, you know, uh, and if so, how do you want them to feel about this? Every time I talk about this show, I do talk about learning to love yourself in retrospect. Um, a, a good, a, a part of the show does talk about love letters to your younger self. Um, and I think that maybe as a universal feeling of just feeling uh, uh, completely uh, lost when you think about yourself as a younger person and you're like, oh, the things I wish I knew or like, I wish I never said that or I wish I never did that. And I don't mean like in the, oh, I regret and let me turn back time. I just mean like, I, I wish that the grace that I give myself now, I was able to afford myself even when I was much younger um, and I'm like much, much younger and, and going through that like self internalized hatred, everything. And then I don't, don't think it's exclusive to the trans experience, but I do think that is uh, probably maybe more shared in a particular way. Um, and I think that, yes, I'm writing for my younger self, but I am certainly writing for, for me now. Um, and I think that just by the evolution of the show, I probably, you know, in years from now will be like, oh, thanks me. Uh, but also I feel differently about myself now. So I'm, I'm glad that I was at least at a place where I could give myself, uh, you know, the grace and time to, to, to like myself more. It's a terrific answer, Evan, but I, if, I, if I can add sort of from my perspective, like directing and, and thinking, especially I think about queer and trans work within theater and what it means to create a play rather than like a song or a film or a, or a piece of visual art is like once you've created one of those things it is it is a static piece it exists it can be a time capsule of a, of a moment um, and the difference with a play is that it's it's a time capsule that you are constantly reinvesting new capital in to reinvigorate a vision of a moment um, and I think that with my sort of take on queer and trans work and like new and queer and trans work I feel like we're we're always sort of writing towards this like horizon like we're always sort of writing towards like we're always like adventuring towards like a better version or a better way of explaining this or a better way of putting ourselves on stage or not better necessarily in terms of like more correct but better in terms of more true or more interesting or more dynamic or more representative or more textured and I think that um dramaturgically it's been really interesting looking at this the 2018 fringe version of this play, which was which was true and representative and textured and correct and all of those things. And then the question of reinvesting in that same story, I think wasn't really appealing like to Evan. And then, you know, this new version that that we sort of worked on together dramaturgically is I think something that a lot of artists, we've been lucky to have a bunch of different artists sort of touch this as we've as we've been moving towards opening. Like we had a reading cast and then we had we had a cast in January and then Omicron and the pandemic that shall not be named. And then, you know, now we have this, this different cast and everyone has been so generous and glorious with it. And I think now we have this thing that's, that's um, true and representative of like this moment, not only for like, you know, Evan as playwright, Evan as character actors as on scene, but also like a particular feeling about a particular experience right now. And I think that's one of the exciting things about theater and like, how it evolves is that this story feels true and textured and correct now and maybe in another two years it'll be like okie dokie so not none of that new thing completely and I think that um embracing that especially as like queer and trans artists is really significant because it's like especially if you're doing any kind of coming out especially if you're doing any kind of transition especially if you're like uncovering yourself as an adult person it's like that changes so much and we're and I feel like you're ready to admit that as an artist on stage you're like I am not the same guy who was writing a play about myself two years ago 
oh my God, four years ago. <laughs> um, but that's, that's, I think something else that, you know, I think about dramaturgically with, you know, a body of work as well. So I guess also something that we do need to talk about is when and where is this play? Where, where, where can people see it? How can people see it? Yeah. Uh, that's very important. Thank, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, we are, uh, we are doing the show at the Backstage Theatre, which is part of the ATB Arts Barns, or if you're familiar with the uh, Edmonton Fringe Festival, that is where the main, the main building where you would go. Um, and uh, we are opening June 8th and uh at 7 30 p.m and and then we're doing performances until june 12th it's not a particularly long run um but there are some uh two show days um there's also um our final day uh the 12th will be an asl interpreted as well um and we will also have a relaxed performance for uh audience members as well who would prefer that current sort of experience so to that as well so we actually we have previews on the 7th and 8th uh, and then our opening is technically the ninth. Like it doesn't really matter. The point is you can see the show starting on the seventh. <laughs> and then as Evan said, it does go until it does go until the 12th. And then on Friday, June 10th is when we have two shows. So there'll be one at 7:30 and then a later show at 9:30. So that's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven opportunities to see this beautiful thing. Amazing. And in terms of tickets. Where do people go for that? Uh, you can buy your tickets uh, uh, at Fringe Theater. Uh, yes. <laughs> the show information is concentrated on the on the Common Ground Art Society website under the Riser tab. So that's the first place to go for info. Perfect. You can also see some promo photos of Jeffrey Simon Brown and Emmanuel Doubledam, the two actors in the play, who have been, I will say, a delight, a treat an honor to work with um and they are so fabulous in their little photo shoot photos if nothing else even if nobody wants a ticket please go look at the pictures because they're so fun um and then if you go to the riser site then once you click on the ticket it'll redirect you to the fringe site you have to pass through like a little gauntlet of website links but then out the other end you can have your tickets so that's uh um i'll tell you the url right now so that there's no chance for confusion it's commongroundarts.ca backslash riser backslash riser edmonton 2022 backslash reconstruct but you can figure that out once you get to the common ground art society homepage. Uh, i will also add on the fact that the tickets are offer what you will uh <laughs> in person uh, or online um so uh what that means is just that yes. if 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 you can offer nothing for a ticket like zero dollars you can purchase a ticket for zero dollars no one will be turned away for lack of funds um we, we recommend a, a suggested do donation is like twenty dollars but like that's that's totally up to you um so it, it, you can uh, if you feel spicy you can offer a, a million dollars um and that would be also that would be cool, be cool. so thank you we also masks are mandatory at the show um they're mandatory in the backstage and we do have two shows out of the seven where a proof of vaccination will be required as well so if you're somebody who's really looking for like an extra level of kind of coverage to feel comfortable in the rehearsal space there's a couple of days every single day you can expect to be surrounded by beautiful masked faces and then there's a couple of days where you can be expected to be surrounded not only by beautiful masked faces but beautiful masked faces that are that are dosed all the way up on those vaccines. So depending on people's comfort, we've we've tried to make it kind of as flexible as possible so people can choose their own adventure. Yeah. And in 
As far as uh, COVID accessibility goes, this is definitely one of the more intensive <laughs> ones that we've that we've encountered, which is very <laughs> beneficial for a lot of individuals. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so I do have a question for Evan. How does it feel to have other people like play you? <laughs> To watch that. Yeah, I try. I think with this particular iteration, I've really tried to. Well, I guess there is a sense that there's always, I guess, a sense of me and spaces of that play. But like, mm -hmm. the, the, there's no there's no one playing Evan Gilchrist on stage. Um, but but it is it is actually truly a gift to be able to work with uh, another trans man in that in that room. I, I will say that, like having someone who's able to look at the words in a way that I was able to work with the words, but also in a, like an, another richer nuance, complex way of like their own experience feeding into that reading. Like it's such an incredible gift. Um, and I, I really, it just makes so much more, like it just like feeds into the conversation of like, it actually really matters who is in that room um, and, and, uh, and, and, and the, the experiences they bring to that. Um, so I, watching me, I mean, I, I feel like I, I would cry in panic, but I, as I'm watching someone who is like, not the vessel for my art, but is someone who is actually channeling themselves in through words as a filter, like it, it, it's, it's an incredible experience. Okay, yeah. So then going off of that, then there's definitely the the idea of the, the masculinity in, in flux and... Um, I've encountered a couple of papers and some research that I've been doing about uh, college-age transmasculine students and how all of their masculinity is in con is in constant conversation with those around them, um, and then the actually like interacting with other transmasculine people. Um, so, do you have anything to to sort of say about the sort of conversation of masculinity aspect of of things? <laughs> Uh, uh <laughs> it's yes. it's a wild one but I don't know it's no it's good I sorry I was just like oh gosh I uh okay um <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll go deep here uh no I it's interesting because um it, it, it's for me like it's it's this is like a, a strange question and, and not in the way that you've asked it but just in the way that like I've it, I'm interpreting I guess where I just I don't, I'm just, I, I'm kind of at a point where like, I actually know so few specifically, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is not true. Maybe I'm just forgetting all of my friends right now, but I don't, I don't know if I have many <laughs> trans masculine friends. I do have trans masculine friends. That is correct. But also like they are, you know, in it also in a non-binary like scale of like people as well. Um, and they have like their own like constant flux of gender in general um, and uh, have they interrogate and interpret that in on the day to day. But I think for like me to be around other trans masculine people, like I've found in, in at least in my recent years, like I'm around very soft men, very, very lovely, yeah. like who just do not care about rigidness and like actually just want to embrace everything. Um, but, you know, still rock, uh, <laughs> still rock a small little goatee. Like, I don't know. There's, uh, there's, there's so much to say about like how, how we, 
I don't know how how we how flex our interpretations of masculinity are and there are truly like a lot more trans men that I'm finding now who are just like actually I don't I do not care to look masculine I am just actually a trans man and you're just going to have to accept that I'm like great I love this for you um please keep rocking the skirt it looks great on you um so there is there is like the conversation that I had even back in 2018 to like where I am now like my 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 processing of masculinity has changed so much and even more so, I think younger people now have like, don't, just like whatever, like let's throw out the, the blueprint. We don't care. I At the risk of, of, of muddying the waters, like a sort of addendum, like an extra thing that I would add if that I, from my perspective, clearly, like I, I, I won't say clearly, but I'm, I'm not a person of trans experience. I'm not a person of masculine experience. Um, and also having a room uh, and an extended team that is made up majoritarily of queer and or trans artists so not just the people on stage but also the people behind the scenes the people who are doing design for us like our lighting designer Witten Jason and our um, production manager uh, Francis Gerard um, and uh, uh, you know there's a bunch of people in that mix as well but there's a lot of people there who who are coming from a similar place of like, even if it's not like, oh, I'm a trans masculine person, it's some, somebody who's thought about gender and thought about like, where am I expected to go? Where am I expected to put the gender? And where do I want to put the gender? Uh, and those places aren't always the same places. So it's also been a really, it's been a gift, I think, to sort of tap into like this shared, I don't want to call it an aesthetic, but it feels like a sensibility of kind of being like, we want to do this weird thing. And it's meaningful to us because we all understand that it world world hard, right? Gender weird, yes. And everyone in the room go, yes. And then we're like, oh great. And then we'll have the confetti and the cake and the and the money gun and the whatever. And everyone's like, yes, yes, of course, because gender. And it's like, it's it's really nice because it doesn't feel like um we can it feels like we can move past a conversation of coming out, which I think like is another thing to to sort of take it into a bigger theatrical conversation. Yeah. Um there's no <laughs> we are not in a lack of coming out plays. You know, there's a lot of plays where people deal with the moment of coming out, that experience of coming out. And it's like, that's awesome. What happens after that? Like what happens after we come out, we keep coming out or then we, or then we're done coming out and then we go to our jobs and then we still have to pay rent. You know, there's all these other things that, that, that are part of a queer trans experience. And <clears throat> I think an exciting thing about having a team that's kind of like personally over those questions not over it like coming out is always a really important conversation but it's just like we get to move into like a, a deeper thing of like okay well what does masculinity mean and what does it mean to quote unquote fail at gender and what does it mean to be held to a standard and and like you know and it's no longer but like oh you came out You're like it's done it's like well get ready for the rest of your life now babes like <laughs> it's gonna keep it's gonna keep coming and it don't stop coming so that's i think been a really big gift of, of this team which i think is you know sort of serendipitous like there were a couple like casting Emmanuel and Jeff obviously is very deliberate and then um, we've been very lucky that a bunch of the other people who have been who've been jumping into this process are people who are who are speaking from their own experiences of 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 gender and sexuality and and coming out or not coming out so that's been a, a big bonus treat for me Mm -hmm. amazing there's a little chef's kiss amazing thank you for adding that for the audio um, <laughs> so a, a lot of you, you sort of touched on it uh where a, a lot of queer and trans work does focus on the coming out or like the educational aspect of like normalizing for a cishet audience so like to what extent are you 
following that sort of pattern or are you just like flipping it on its head? How, how do you feel about that, that idea? Do you mind if I jump in? Right no, off please, this please do, please do. There's, there's a, there's a quote that I'm going to uh, not be able to attribute to anybody because I don't have it in front of me, but it's something that I brought in on the first week of, of rehearsals. <clears throat> because in sort of like in my paltry spare time, you know, I'm reading a lot of like quote unquote lesbian plays. Like that's kind of where my interest is lying outside of, you know, outside of this practice right now. And um, there was, there was a quote that I came across that was basically talking about, you know, gay theater is any theater that whether implicitly or explicitly recognizes the presence of gay people on both sides of the footlights. So on stage and in the audience. So any theater that recognizes that there are gay people on stage and gay people in the audience, like that's gay theater. And so my, I would venture to say that it, that is in the same way trans theater can be, can be identified the same way. It's any theater that acknowledges whether implicitly or explicitly the presence of trans people on stage and watching the play. And for me personally, and I, I say this again, there's always a huge, you know, whopping grain of salt with everything I say because I am a cis person. I have been approaching this play of like, well, how do we direct it for the people that we are friends with? Like, how do we how do we approach this play so that it it's like, you know, so it's accessible and, and interesting and entertaining and whatever for, you know, straight cis audience members because we love them, you know, come to the play, please. Like that, we, we're here to entertain you. But it's also like, how do we affirm the people who come to see the play? Like, yeah, that this is what you're seeing. It's for you, please. You know, like that's that's been a big guiding thing for me of like, how do I, how can I approach this work as a cis person, acknowledging trans people in every single portion of this of this project? Yeah, I would definitely say Sarah has done an excellent job of doing that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. I always like it when I go to a play and I actually recognize that whoever has been working on it knows that I'm in the audience versus they're just putting something out there for maybe themselves just because they want to put it out there. Mm. <laughs> but I think your 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 thing too about sort of like you know didactic theater sort of coddling theater like theater that's like okay everyone now we're going to meet a gay person and it's like we've got to move yeah. past that like we can't stay there because it's like it's the it's the gosh darn theater. Like if you think there aren't gay and trans people making the whole thing turn, then you are, you are wildly mistaken. So it's like, um, I think that there is, there's to there's always a place for theater that introduces new ideas to people. And I think that, that we've reached a point, like it's, you know, in the year of our, of our lore 2022, we've got to think about like, okay, so what ideas have not been introduced to people? Like how, who, who do we want to dignify when we are introducing narratives? And I think that I am no longer interested in dignifying ignorance of people who don't understand. They're like, I've never met a gay person. It's like, cool, I don't, <laughs> don't talk to me, you know? Um, versus like, how do we dignify the experience of people who have never seen themselves on stage, right? So it's like, it's no longer about like, oh, this cis person has never seen a trans person on stage. It's like, well, okay, that's their loss. It's like, this trans person has never seen a trans person on stage that sucks. We got to do something about it immediately. So I think like this, this play has been also an interesting sort of testing ground for ways that, that like ways that we want to play around with the form of like, like what is queer theater? What is trans theater? What is, what is theater full stop? And it's been anyway, especially after the pandemic and like this big pause and not being able to do anything live and with people, that's an extra joy as well as all of us being like, all right, blank slate. What's, you know, what is, what is this thing? 
Anyway. Yeah, I feel like the pandemic, the ongoing pandemic, that I, you know, it's it's mm. it's wibbly wobbly, hard to describe. <laughs> um, it really offered offers this opportunity to deconstruct things um, at a much higher level um, than we've had the opportunity to do before. And I wish it transferred to structural um, deconstruction, uh, mm. not buildings, but, you know, structures of power. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do really appreciate the way that the arts community has definitely uh, taken deconstruction of things and building new things from all the pieces, just taking apart your Lego set, ripping up the instructions and making something new. Totally. If there's someone who doesn't know if they actually want to see it, what would you say to them to convince them? Uh, I would say that you can take a bet on this play. It is no more than 50 minutes maximum. You, you will not be stuck in the theater hating it for two hours, no intermittent you will be able to experience something that we all feel very strongly about and heartfelt about. And it's not an attack on any human being. <laughs> it's a celebration um, and uh, people should not feel afraid. Uh, I, I, I just think it's, I, I mean, I'll speak for my play. I think it's a wonderful play that we've crafted here together as a team. And I really think it would be worth seeing. I will, I will add to that. It is shorter than an episode of The Great British Bake Off. Tickets are offer what you will. If you don't like it, it will be over within less than an hour. If you do like it, you can come and see it again. Um, you're also going to see artists who are really at the top of their game in terms of trying stuff out. It is funny. We destroy a cake on stage. There is confetti in a bucket. There is a banner. We have a slideshow. It's like a TED talk, but it's short. Um, there's some moments that I have seen roughly 45,000 times that make me cry with laughter regardless. Like it is just a barrage of visual and, and auditory information. Um, and uh, I think that, that if nothing else, you can be distracted for the time. You know, even if you don't want to engage with the subject matter, you can come and be like, huh, that was pretty wild. But if you are ready to engage with the subject matter, I think Evan has, has really written a piece that is walks a beautiful line between being earnest and genuine and, and, and careful with feelings and emotions and giving them the space. And also it's like sardonic and biting and goofy and like, and that what is what is life if not a combination of earnestness and and biting sarcastic humor and i think that evan has created this really beautiful um framework in the text that then we've had all of these artists come in and, and like add their own spin on and it's this beautiful collaborative thing at the end that that i don't think people want to miss i think if you want to see edmonton theater trying something new i think we're we're trying some fun new things in the backstage and and people don't want to miss it three minutes. So you have three minutes to tell us anything else that you'd like to say. Um. <laughs> and I don't want to kick you out. So also, if you want to like jump on another um, Zoom call. I, I, I will leave the talking of the, the spent night for the expert in the room. But I, uh, <laughs> I will say, oh, uh, I, I will just say, just to reiterate, nothing new, but just to reiterate about reconstruct or reconstruct, however, however dost thou readeth the word, um, 
and, and investigate that word. Uh, I will say that like I am so incredibly proud of the work that has been put into this 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 play. Like I honestly feel like everyone's been treating it with such respect, care, and grace that honestly, like I it's not that I've never experienced something like that before, but it's just in, in, in any capacity, it's just more like for this particular piece and its current version in the, in the, in the day that we live in right now, like it means so much to have people who really just care about doing it, not doing it right because there's no way to do something right, but just doing it with like the best way they know how and, and, and breathing new life into it that I never saw myself. Um, and, and seeing the better version of the play in front of me versus the one that I saw in my head is also just such a delicious, wonderful, uh, uh, relaxing thing to experience. So um, I will say that like what they have crafted here, like I, as a person who's also just in the room experiencing it, watching it, like what they have crafted here is actually something completely and utterly special. Um, so that's all I will say awesome. on that. Well, thank you so much for coming to talk about this. Um, I'm fairly certain that I will be in the audience because I told my boyfriend about this and he was like damn we should go that sounds interesting Good. <laughs> yeah so um uh hope to see you there you will you will <laughs> we'll be there <laughs> anyways smut night the other thing that we're talking about so um Smut night sounds like um, an evening, like reading AO3 fan fiction underneath your covers for like hours and hours and hours until you realize that you haven't drank water in about seven hours and you desperately need to pee. Um, <laughs> so, but I don't think that's what this is. It sounds a little bit different. So what is this? It is a little bit different, but I, I think that that spirit is very much represented in, in Smut Night. It's, um, you know, I've been calling it a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's, you know, it's part, part cabaret, part party, part like community event. It's like the night will be, um, there'll be the sort of I'm calling it the the party portion where you know we have some artists doing installations in the Roxy Theater. I'll mention that as well. It's June 10th, Roxy Theater, the new Roxy on 124th, which is super exciting because Next Fest is the first festival to take over that brand new theater, which is like feels nuts. Like we have this fresh new theater, we're going to do Smut Night in it. Okay, it's going to be weird after that, but um starts at 9 30 p.m then there's a cabaret portion that starts at 11 and then we're gonna have a dj from around midnight until around the when they make us stop having a dj and um it's it's really you know because i'm the one curating it you know smut night is not uh was not set out to be a, a queer event but because of the fact that i am curating it because of the, the stuff that I'm interested in and because of the artists sort of in my circle, it is a decidedly queer event. Um, and so there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be installation art that people can can look at, engage with in different ways. There's some sound art from um, from some folks in Germany, actually, which is pretty wild. Uh, we have cabaret, like uh, in the cabaret part, we're going to have there's drag performers, there's burlesque performers, there's a poet. Um, I have, I choreographed a dance number with some friends where they're all going to be dressed like demons. Um, we're going to have, uh, I mentioned there's going to be a DJ, you know, we have some, oh my gosh, we're going to have a dress to impress contest. 
Um, there's going to be folks there from from um, Alberta Sex Positive Education Community Center. I always goof up their their uh, their acronym. It's ASPEC, and I always I lose steam halfway through. I'm like, oh man, do I remember what the C stands for? But I think that's what they are. Um, Alberta Sex Positive. Um, you know, we'll have resources from HIV Edmonton. We're going to have, you know, we've got a, we've got community folks involved as well. So it's really, it's going to be sort of a one-stop shop to, to let off a little bit of steam that I think a lot of people have built up during the pandemic. And it's also, to me, one of the things that's important about Smut Night is curating an event that's like sex positive in the way that it is like sex positive, kink positive, queer positive, trans celebratory. Like it's really about like, it's not just like people have sex and that's good. It's like sex is a way of expression. Like sexual identity is important. Um, getting dressed up and feeling cute is important. Being around other people feeling cute is important. So that's kind of how I approach Smut Night is just like a place for people to feel extremely stoked about the fact that people feel sexy sometimes. So that's you know, and I think there's lots of room for the energy of reading AO3 fanfic for hours and hours and getting dehydrated, but I do hope people will stay, remain hydrated during Smut Night because they'll, they'll need that juice to get through the night. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned some of the performances. Um, mm-hmm. Are you looking for more performances? Like, is, is it a full lineup? Um because I noticed oh, that because in some of my research I noticed there was like an application one and I, and it said that it was open until it was full <laughs> yeah I mean I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a chaotic agent of curation because you know it can be the 11th hour and if somebody comes to me with a really good idea then I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen at the end of the day I've I've reached the limit right now because I'm working with a super limited budget. So at this current juncture, um, I don't have any more, any more honoraria to promise to any more people. That being said, if anybody who's listening to this uh, really wants to be a sponsor, um, they should definitely hit my line. Uh, my email address is um, nextfest. I'll send it to you. It was nextfestdenmother at gmail.com, NXT, um, nextfest, like no ease in it. It's hard to, it's hard to explain, but that's, that's, that's the big, that's the big thing too. I think, especially with artists is making sure everybody's like super fairly compensated, um, as much as we can, including emerging artists, you know, that's a pretty important thing with Smut Night as well. Um, but there's also such an exciting community atmosphere around it. Like there's so many people who just simply want to be involved that they're, you know, they're volunteering as, you know, to help, help on stage or they're, you know, they just want to be there. So, um, there's also a lot of, a lot of support outside of the, the strictly monetary as well. So, but we are, we're looking at a pretty stacked night, the, you know, the, the cabaret portion is, is going to be, um, a full banger. And then the installation artists, people are doing all kinds of stuff. We have like somebody doing self-suspension. We have somebody doing live painting. We have somebody who's running like a D&D campaign, but it's sexy. I'm not a D&D person. So I'm like, honestly, I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but I'm so excited for you and for this to happen. So that will be another thing. You know, we have an academic talk about some like art movements in Alberta and BC. Like it's going to be, there's going to be something for everybody under the smut umbrella. Yeah. Um, and then just sort of like, it, this is the 13th year. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the, the history of Smut Night? Oh, that's a great question. I think I, I think I wish I knew more about the history of Smut Night, but definitely I think something that is very exciting about Next Fest as a, as a festival is because it's an emerging artists festival. And that, you know, that definition is flexible as it should be. And, and generally Next Fest is, you know, saying if you're in the first 10 years of your career, then you're an emerging artist and you're part of this festival. But um, because it focuses on 
um, people who are in a particular phase of their of their practice. It means you get a, a, an interesting high turnover of artists. So there's people like a lot of people. I think it's a pretty common thing. You know, there's a sort of three to five year window where you really feel connected with Nextfest, and then you sort of move up in your career, you get a little older and then it's a high turnover. So I, this is the second year that I've curated. The first year that I curated was right before the pandemic. And then in 2020, you know, we had hoped to be able to do something and we ended up doing like a little thing online, but it wasn't quite the same. So I know that before me, before I was curating, Sam Jeffrey curated a couple of nights. And then there was another year where I think some folks, I think it was Megan Proust and Olivia Latta who, who um, curated another one sort of in between there somewhere so one of the exciting things about smut night is that like the the sort of core of it of like it's a sexy smutty nightclub thing like that core has remained true for 13 years but then every curator who's coming in is like and here's what i'm interested in and here's how i interpret that and you know i think you also see it as a reflection too of like what are the conversations that are happening you know like um one of the first ways that i got involved with smut night was sam jeffrey had a piece that she sort of passed off to me called the heavy petting zoo which was just like an exploration of like what does consent look like and how can we celebrate being sexy in a way that prioritizes consent and you know huge shout out sam jeffrey she's moved on to become an intimacy coordinator um, out of vancouver and she's absolutely killing it so you know that was something she was really interested in was like how does consent color you know our sexual our sexual landscape and um so i think that the history of smut night is that it's a totally like flexible container like you know I think some people here they're like well how much can you really how much art can you really do about sex it's like oh baby everything's about sex so um depending on the curator you know you get a completely different event but that's that's a little bit that's a little bit about about smut night historically so a little bit about just how to attend are is there a ticket process for this one um where are those yeah great question um so there's no as far as i know i should know more about this but i um don't i don't think you can get tickets ahead of time so i'm pretty sure it's something at the door artists who are part of next fest get a festival pass and so they get free entry to uh smut night so if you are a next fest artist you are automatically part of the shindig um i tickets are pretty affordable i think they're in the ballpark of like 10 bucks um, and you just need to, you need to show up and show out and, and line up possibly 2019. I will say 2019, there was a line out the door for a big chunk of the night, like people just waiting to get in. So I think that this one we might, you know, might see some of the same, especially because we haven't been able to have Smut Night in a few years. And, and there's a lot of folks for whom it's like a big part of, and I take, I take none of that, you know, cred, like Smut Night has its own <laughs> ecosystem orbiting it. And there's a lot of people who sort of look forward to it as part of next fest so um folks who want to come it's open it's open to everybody it's not it isn't just a next fest thing like there will be a concentration of next fest artists there but it is truly open to anybody who's who's feeling down and um you just got to show up at the theater and, and buy your ticket starting around 9 30 that's when the doors will open so that's that's the best way to the best way to go is to go awesome <laughs> and again the location is the new roxy on 124th it is perfect yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to say about Smut Night? Like I'm super stoked. I had no idea this existed. I recently found out about um, Sins Invalid, uh, which is like the disability justice uh, group that did a very like Sins Invalid arts performances are sort of similar to Smut Night, I guess, in the sense that they highlight disability sexuality. Um, and they were just uh, 
Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't realize that there was anything even remotely similar to highlighting like subversive sexuality, like so-called subversive, so-called deviant, so-called outside of the quote-unquote norm um, in Edmonton. Um, so that's cool. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's one of the things that, that makes me so excited about Smut Night is because it's like, I'm, I'm very lucky that Ellen Chorley, who's the artistic director of Next Fest, sort of handed me the, the keys to Smut Night in 2019, was like, I trust you to figure out what this is going to be this year. And 2019 was a banger. It was awesome. And I learned a lot. And also time has elapsed and I have changed. And, you know, my relationship with sexuality has changed, which is a big part of why I was like, okay, this year, this is what we're doing. Like, we're going to sort of put it into this zone. Um, and I think that that's the, that's one of the things that makes me so excited about Edmonton is like, um, there are some really scrappy, tenacious pockets of people who really want to see some shit happen. You know, they're like, we want this kind of space. We want this kind of event. We are not going to stand for this kind of thing. And it's like the biggest, best thing that I can hope for is that an event like Smut Night will will find a way to those people and those people will find a way to smut night so that it just gets richer and more interesting because the more people who know about it, the more people who know about it. And then it's like next year there, you know, one of the exciting things curating this year, like you saw the call for submissions, like that, that, that thing just kind of went open public wherever. And I was getting submissions from people that I did not know at all, which was exciting because it's like, you know, in 2019, it was a lot of people that I did, I knew, or I, they were a friend of a friend of people who already kind of knew about Smut Night or knew about like my approach or whatever. And so it's exciting this year being like, oh, I have never met you, but you're into, you want to do sexy stuff. And I want to ask you to do sexy stuff for the event. And so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. And that, um, that's been pretty dope. It feels like it's, you know, the momentum is behind it a little bit. So I'm excited. I'm also excited too, because eventually, you know, eventually I won't be curating it anymore. And eventually there will be a new curator who comes in and puts their own spin on it and decides what they're going to highlight. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm hoping too, that there will be a, a very natural sort of succession of somebody who comes to Smut Night and says, all right, I'm curating this now. And then they can, you know, wrestle me out of my throne or whatever. And then, and then the, the cycle continues. So that's, um, it is, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty special space, especially in a city like Edmonton. So I'm excited for it to keep. Anyway, I'm, I'm repeating myself. It's going to be a sweet party. I hope people come. That's the, that's the main thing. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about Smut Night? Any sort of, uh, you mentioned the dress to impress. Yes. There's some, that seems, that seems important. <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it is going to be pretty important. I think that one of one of my favorite things about like about about the concept of being sexy is is deciding for myself what that looks like and then putting on my little outfit and going out into public. So I want people to know that this is a space like you've got this is this is when you wear that outfit, whatever that outfit was. That you're like, oh, damn, I haven't been able to wear that since the pandemic. Wear it here. Wear it here. Um, you know, I have folks who've, who've been telling me, like filling me in on their plans for their outfits. And it's like, we've got it. We've, you know, there's going to be like cowboy energy. There's going to be leather chaps energy. There's going to be like mesh shirt energy. I think we're just going to see a lot of people who are really reveling in like their own expression about it. And, um, I'll mention as well that we're, we're going to have a prize for the winner of the dress to impress contest, which is donated very, um, or I should say sponsored very kindly by Sexplitive. So um, I'm forgetting Erica's last name, but Erica, 
who runs Sexpletive is um, not only a sex educator at Edmonton, but also creates beautiful ceramic dildos. So there is a prize coming from Erica and Sexpletive for the winner of the Dress to Impress contest. Also, you get just the street cred and the clout of being like, I won the Dress to Impress contest at Smut Night. So, and you'll be, you know, applauded by the group. So um, if nothing else, I hope that's motivation for people to really like show off. Yeah. Um, and then also in terms of accessibility, um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what sort of accessibility things, COVID-wise, uh, mobility-wise, ASL-wise? Yeah, totally. So some of that stuff is still unfolding. I've put in a request for an ASL interpreter, and depending on the resources, like with NextFest, we'll see exactly how that pans out. One of the nice things about um, about SMUT is because a lot of the performances are not in any way text-based. Um, if you're somebody who requires interpretation, if you're somebody who usually, um, you, you know, uses subtitles or something, um, you know, nobody's doing monologues. You know, we're gonna have um, Matthew Stepanik or Stepanik. I'm so sorry, Matthew. Should have checked which way that last name went. Um, but he's doing some some poems during the cabaret portion. But then otherwise, it's a lot of really visual art. So accessibility-wise, that's you know, there will be ASL interpretation, but we're still waiting to see kind of how exactly. Exactly that pans out. COVID-wise, um, it's going to be a mass, strongly, um, urgently, throbbingly encouraged. Um, but they, we are just, you know, people will. There's, there will be beer for sale. We're, we're just not going to be able to be in a place to, to enforce that in the space. But it will be, you know, uh, I will be wearing a mask. I hope other people choose to wear a mask so that we can, we can protect each other while having a really sweet time. And then the other thing that's super dope is that the new Roxy, because it's new, I know there's so much thought that went into the building of that space. So they've got um, they've got a gorgeous elevator that works, which in some theaters is already a pretty, pretty big ask. Gorgeous elevator that works. We've also got, um, they have maybe the most advanced gender neutral washroom setup that I have seen in Edmonton. Again, it's a, it's a brand new building. So they have their individual stalls. They're all different colors. It's great selfie lighting. So when you show up in your dress to impress outfit, you can take tons of selfies in the bathroom and it will be super gorge. Um, some other access stuff I'm hoping to, you know, I'm hoping to be able to provide things like stim toys and earplugs, but you know, pretty budget dependent. So we're hoping, we're hoping for those things as well. Um, but that's kind of the, the general shape of, of access stuff. Again, like if there's people who have particular questions or concerns, like if there's information that they need to be able to gauge their available, like their ability to engage with the night, there is a Facebook event for the event. That's quite findable. Smut night Hellbent for leather on Facebook. You can leave a comment there and I'll answer your question as quickly as I can, or you can reach out to my curator email. That's NXT. Um, F-S-T, Denmother, D-E-N-M-O-T-H-E-R at gmail.com, all one word. So if anybody has any questions, if there's stuff that, that they, they want to see happening access wise, I will, I will do my best to, to meet those needs and answer those questions. So I definitely invite community members to be like, I need this to make it sexy. And then I'll be like, cool, we're going to do it. Awesome. That's always good to hear. Um, yeah. Accessibility things are always (laughs) super important and, and, Something that people don't realize is that, yes, yeah, some of these accessibility ones do have a cost behind them, like ASL interpretation. You do have to provide compensation. Things like earplugs and stim toys have a price uh, behind them. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say I'm very lucky to have um, landed a sponsorship with Evolution Wonder Lounge. So if there was any, if there was any doubt that this is a gay, gay, gay ass event, 
Evolution Wonder Lounge is our big is our big sponsor. So um, shout out Evolution, thank you. Um, that's that. But yeah, that's really my hope is just we we find more and more people who are into a space like that. Thank you so much, Terrence. I'm I'm really glad you were down to talk about reconstruct and smart night. So thank you for making the time. You just heard Evan Gilchrist and Sarah J. Culkin talking about their upcoming projects. You can catch Reconstruct, or Reconstruct, however you wish to say it, June 7th to 12th. Head on over to the Riser page on the Common Grounds Art Society website for tickets. For Smut Night, as I mentioned before this lovely interview, it's a be there a be square kind of deal, so you gotta be on location at the New Roxy on 124th on June 10th doors open at 9 30 p.m if you would like to be a smut night sugar daddy sugar mommy or the legendary glucose guardian of smut night hit up nxt fst denmother at gmail.com so it's next fest denmother at gmail.com but next fest is spelt without any e's but denmother does have e's and Sadly, we have run out of time. Today's show was produced by Jao Victor Krieger, Ash Linda, Artemis Peasley, and myself, Terrence Adams. A Gay Wire is, of course, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in a Miskwichuiskaigan, colonially known as Edmonton, land which has been the home and traveling ground of many, including, but not limited, to the Blackfoot, Anishinaabe, Nakoda Sioux, Soto, Dene, Cree, and Métis people. All of us at GayWire encourage you to think critically about the structures of power we reside within, your role in and around it, and what you can do to challenge the damaging legacies and mechanisms of colonialism in your day-to-day. Reconciliation is not a one-time thing, it's an ongoing practice. Please, please, please check out some of the amazing Indigenous folks we've interviewed to learn more about decolonization, traditional tattooing, and what it means to be two-spirit by checking out the interviews with Gabe Calderon and Ashley Cardinal. Please tune in next week to hear more Prairie Queer content, and until then, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Just search GayWire CJSR. You can find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm and at GayWire CJSR on Instagram. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson, original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Stay tuned next for an itch you can't quite reach, a coin dropped through a grate, and a satisfying stretch. Until next week, keep it breezy, and... Please stay on the line.